You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We were talking in the first segment about good news that we got about the Detroit incinerator going away and taking with it all that pollution that came out of the stack when they were burning garbage. We want to continue, though, to talk about the environment here in Michigan and talk about something that maybe is not headed in the same direction uh, as the incinerator at this point. We're going to talk about PFAS, which is a group of chemicals that have been manufactured and used in a variety of industries around the globe, including here in the United States since the 1940s. We have recent, in recent years at least, learned that these chemicals are polluting our water here in the state of Michigan. Detroit Public Television's Great Lakes Now initiative is broadcasting a half-hour special about PFAS tonight at 9. It is called the Forever Chemicals. Uh, Great Lakes Now is working in partnership with MLive Media Group on it, and there will be expanded digital content, and the special will be carried by other stations around the Great Lakes region. Joining us now to talk more about PFAS and about this special is Sandra Swoboda. She is the program director of Detroit Public Television's Great Lakes Now initiative. Sandra, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Also with us is Paula Gardner. She's a reporter who covers environmental news and policy for MLive. Paula, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. So let's start with the current status of PFAS contamination here in Michigan and why people should care about it. I feel like people have become more and more aware that this is an issue. I don't know that I can say that I feel like our government officials who are responsible for this have moved as fast as maybe we would like them to. Sandra, where are we right now? Well, yeah, you're right, Stephen. We've certainly had our share of water issues here in Michigan. People immediately think the Flint water crisis. Uh, we have issues of water withdrawals. There's Enbridge Line 5 that is still on the top of many people's minds, including some of our political leaders. PFAS is a very different kind of thing. Uh, Paula and her colleague Garrett Ellison at MLive Media Group have been covering this for a few years now uh, because it's really been, uh, frankly, not here in Detroit, not in big municipal water systems, but the contamination is coming from military sites. It's coming from former industrial sites. And it's really just now where that in the last few years where the extent of the contaminations seeping into people's houses and drinking water is being discovered, often from their wells. Uh, Paula Gardner, tell us about the idea of a half-hour special about this. Why, why make this into essentially a documentary about PFAS? Yeah, I think it's an excellent effort to help people understand exactly what's going on. It will end up personalizing it in many ways. Um, and there is drama in PFAS. There are people in Michigan who are undergoing um, just extraordinary circumstances trying to understand what's going on in their own bodies, in their drinking water supplies, uh, trying to understand how long they've been consuming PFAS, um, how their children may have been harmed by it, and what uh, government officials from the local level to federal will end up doing about it. And I think the special, and I look forward to seeing the final product, will help people understand exactly how much how much drama 
is, hmm. is, is actually in, in people's lives right now because of this chemical and how we all need to be concerned about it. Hmm. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, Paula, that, I mean, that was a really great description. Uh, what, what we do in the documentary is really bring you into people's living rooms. We bring you with their toddler, who, for example, the McNaughton family, who their son Jack has one of the highest levels of PFAS in his blood of any child in the United States that's been known. We visit Sandy Winstelt, and we hear about how her husband uh, passed away from liver cancer a few years ago, uh, an increased rate of cancer and thyroid problems and cholesterol and um, childhood uh, immunity are often linked to PFAS. But what, what Paula described in the drama of people's lives is exactly what you see in this. We really go in and help people understand how, as Sandy Winstelt put it, your life becomes consumed by dealing with your water problems. So, so when you talk about these stories, I mean, these, as Paula said, these are very dramatic stories. What's the explanation then for why we haven't moved more aggressively as a state to deal with this pollutant getting into the water supply? Well, some people will tell you that there have been steps made. Um, the site that we talk about north of Grand Rapids is from the former Wolverine Tannery there. So Wolverine Worldwide has installed filters, for example, in some of the homes in that area where they've seen the contamination. Um, they are meeting with the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality. There has been testing done around the state. But because of, first of all, issues of, and Paula can certainly talk more about this, but pinpointing the sources and really which level of government is responsible. Uh, you know, there's local, we visit actually in the documentary, we go inside the Plainfield Township Water Department and see what that's like and what they've done. There is certainly debate at the state level. We have saw that in lame duck session. We have saw that as part of Governor Whitner's campaign and her promises since. And then we also have the federal level with the former military sites. So you have this kind of combination of all the levels of government, if you let me wonk out for a second there, <laughs> but also, you know, what is the responsibility, the legacy of the corporations where the material came from in the first place? Yeah. Uh, Paula, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I think one thing that one thing I think people would be surprised about with this issue is how different every single site is. You know, there are places where we have to worry about a single business dumping it into surface water. There are places where we have to worry about um, the Department of Defense being the ultimate um, decision maker for what is happening with the pollution, yet they're also the polluter. Uh, we have to worry about uh, multiple companies dumping in low levels. We have to worry about legacy pollution in landfills. I mean, the state hasn't even identified exactly where PFAS is everywhere yet, and the sources in every instance just are like an individual cocktail for that community or that issue. Mm. Uh, my guests are Sandra Swoboda, the program director of Detroit Public Television's Great Lakes Now initiative, and Paula Gardner, who's a reporter who covers environmental news and policy for MLive. Uh, we're talking about PFAS, the group of chemicals uh, that are widely used in the United States and right here in Michigan, and how they are seeping into our drinking water. Detroit Public Television's Great Lakes Now initiative is broadcasting the Forever Chemicals, a half-hour special about PFAS tonight at 9. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. <clears throat> Tell us how concerned you are about what's in your drinking water and what steps, if any, you are taking to make sure that what you're consuming doesn't contain harmful chemicals. Uh, also, do you think there's any real way to avoid 
this kind of pollution these days. Think of the many different stories we hear about the things that are in our drinking water. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. I'm especially curious to hear... If you're somebody who uses filters on your taps, somebody who's got other kinds of ways of uh, making sure that there aren't chemicals or other substances in the water before you drink it or shower or bathe in it. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is, is the number. Uh, Sandra, I want to talk about what people can do or what people should do if they're worried about PFAS being in their drinking water or in their bathing water. What what are some of the steps they are they they can take on their own? Test it. <laughs> okay. I so mean, there's yeah. Test the water. The, actually, the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality has a page. Um, there's all kinds of forms and uh, recommendations for testing. I mean, the reality is municipal systems have started testing. Um, the thing with PFAS, and we see this in the Belmont and Rockford communities north of Grand Rapids, is that you don't just turn on your faucet one day and you get the be-all, end-all reading. It changes over time because people who are drawing from wells, those those dynamics of the groundwater uh, change. And so at some time of year or some kind of weather pattern or you know, snow melt, whatever it may be, you may have a higher reading at certain times than others. Mm -hmm. um, municipal water systems, again, are less of a risk in most areas. Uh, they are starting to test and think about it, but it's really the people on the wells, especially near industrial or military sites, sometimes dumps um, that are, are really more of a concern. Mm. Uh, Paula, the work that went into this special talking with families about this issue and, and the effects on them. Did you get a sense that these families feel helpless to, to defend themselves or to, to, to make sure that their water is, uh, is free of this and that they're waiting, I guess, for, for government to, to do its job, really, to, to make sure that this stops? Yeah, I think that's a common thread through every community that's found high levels. Uh, these, these folks, these are typical Michigan people, and all of a sudden they've had to become water activists, and they're learning as they go um, and getting more and more outraged. Uh, I've seen that in Oscoda. We see that among the people that will be in this special. We're starting to see it in Ann Arbor, where it's been in our drinking water. I live in the city where it's been in our water for some time. Uh, yeah, people, people feel powerless. Um, they're trying to take every step that they can, and they're having to as I said, become activists just to feel like they're they're going to get a resolution. I like to use the term accidental activists sometimes. I think we have these big issues that break in the news that, that we all cover, that we feel a little overwhelmed by sometimes. And we have people who are really embracing their role as accidental activists. Uh, to me, there's something really inspiring in that. And there's actually a couple of scenes in the Forever Chemicals documentary uh, where we go. Uh, it's a group of women who did not know each other before, and they're sort of bonded by dealing with this water situation. None of them had attended meetings. None of them had met with legislators. None of them had been writing to federal agencies or figuring out when to go to Washington to be to speak on the Hill. And now they're all doing that. And so they have, you know, the suburban Grand Rapids Wine and Water Wednesdays, and they get together and they plan their actions. and And they're seeing some steps be be made. Hmm. Uh, let's get to the phones here. Uh, Brett and Ypsilanti, welcome to Detroit today. 
Hi, thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. Um, So as somebody who studies environmental justice at University of Michigan, I listening to how we talk about the exposure, I I just wanted to bring up the point about uh, kind of being exposed to multiple different um, pollutants and how they can interact synergistically and how kind of our government sets rules based on exposure to one chemical. So PFAS, we set that limit because you're exposed just to that. Um, but we don't really have the science and the policy definitely has not caught up um, to kind of address that issue. So I wondered, and it's not just the co-pollutants or co-contaminants, also um, being low income, not having access to healthcare, all these different factors that relate to exposure um, that kind of get left out. So I wondered if that um, also is something that they've seen where it's not just that they're facing water issues, but they're also facing social issues and they're also being exposed to air pollution from a local factory. Right. Um, so. Yeah, Brett, uh, appreciate the call and the comments. Sandra, go ahead. The uh, many of many many of the people in the Grand Rapids area either have individual lawsuits or a class action lawsuit uh, about this. You know, it's not only the health effects; it's certainly a property value. You can't sure. sell your home, or you wouldn't sell your home to somebody uh, with where you can't, where you're worried about the water coming out of the taps. But you know, that's certainly part of it. Is how do we parse out uh, the science? You're absolutely right, Brett. The science is not. Up. We don't know all the things we're exposed to on a daily basis, how they build up in our systems. They do that differently. It varies from individual to individual. But I think, I, you know, I come back to something one of the attorneys said for the residents, and that's nobody's saying it's good for you. So, sure, there for policy, there needs to be a certain level set and you know, things funded and, and uh, prioritized around that. But at the end of the day, nobody's saying it's good for you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd also add, I think it's really interesting. Um, We're kind of shorthanding when we talk about PFAS. So that's really a group of like 3,000 chemicals. And when we talk about what's in the water, we're talking about two of them. And there have been a number of studies over time, many of which none of us ever knew about because they were hidden by chemical companies. But we're really talking about two of them. So the state of Michigan this week announced that they're going to be looking for maximum contaminant levels for five of them. That leaves a gazillion others, right? We have no idea how they interact with each other. We have no idea if some of them are worse. Um, There are no studies on on many of them. So when we think about how they interact with other chemicals, there's so much unknown. But there's also just a ton unknown about PFAS as a class of chemicals. Hmm. Uh, Again, thanks very much for the call and the comments, Brett. Let's go to Gloria in southwest Detroit. Gloria. Yeah, good morning. If you can turn down your radio, that would be great. I am. I'm moving out of the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Gloria. Yeah, thank you very much for your for your uh, doing this. But I wanted to um, I wanted to point out a couple of things briefly. Is that and I called earlier because I'm a member of Zero Waste Detroit. Mm-hmm. But the whole connection that we don't often uh, think of or point out, and I know you tried to do this in the short time. The connection that everything is connected. So what's happening in the water is affecting the soil, is affecting the air, and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. And when we say science hasn't caught up with it, that's partly true. But I happen to be very, um, I I know a little bit about science that's about 18 years old, but it's older than that, called biomimicry. There's a lot we can learn from nature. 
how does nature filtrate its water, purify its water, how does it do a, uh, clean its, uh, how does it deal with waste? And we know in nature there is no throwaway. In nature there is no waste. And biomimicry is using the, the intelligence of life which has been around for 3.8 billion years. And by that, I mean since the bacteria right. came to the Earth. And all of those systems are replicable. We can emulate them, and we do not have... Nature uses green chemistry. Hmm. So I think we have a source in that, and we need to think about what I throw in my water is going to affect my soil, and it's going to come up in the air on, on the plants and all that. So yeah. I think we, we're not dumb but we need to think systemically. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Gloria, that's a really great point. I'm glad you called uh, to make that. Uh, uh, Sandra, at uh, the Great Lakes Now initiative, you guys really do focus on the cycle of these things and how they interconnect. Yeah, we are Great Lakes Now. It's greatlakesnow.org. We are building out. We're in a big ramp-up phase. We're seeing more contributions online, and we're actually starting a monthly program next month. Uh, But... It's Great Lakes, right? We are looking at the tourism, the recreation, the policy, the industry, the science, data, technology, but PFAS, you know, largely uh, we're not focusing on it directly in the Great Lakes tonight, but we certainly make the point of this interconnectedness and what happens inside the mitten, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. the other seven states and two provinces around the region. And what is happening inland is certainly affecting the Great Lakes that we all know and love so much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sandra Soboda, Program Director of Detroit Public Television's mm-hmm. Great Lakes Now Initiative. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks, Stephen. Also, Paula Gardner, who's a reporter who covers mm-hmm. environmental news and policy for MLive. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. Remember to go to WDET.org or call 800-959-9338 to support us in our spring fundraiser. We are so close to the goal of $315,000, and after we hit it, of course, we will stop fundraising this spring. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I'll speak with you again tomorrow.